On this episode of Building Your Wealth Muscle, we discuss why tax filing in April is too late for most tax strategies. We discuss three strategies that'll save you taxes throughout the year. And finally, how to use the 110 tax saving checklist for fit pros, uh, how to get access to it and how to use it. And if this episode brings you or your family a lot of value, please do us a favor and share it. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. This episode's coming a day or two late because of the 4th of July weekend, so I hope you guys all had a great 4th of July weekend. I was down the shore visiting family, hanging out with my young nephews, so... I apologize, this episode is a couple of days late, but but it's going to be really valuable because today we're going to go over three tax planning ideas that are really important in the middle of the year. Like as I'm recording this, I don't know when you're going to listen to it, but as I'm recording this, it is early July, 2022. And so let me let me step back and also talk about what I've said in multiple episodes, but it's really important what we're talking about today, tax filing is not tax planning. Tax filing is what you do with your accountant in March or April of, well, it'll be next year for this year's taxes, but that's not planning. That's basically recording history. You tell them what you earned, what your expenses were, and then they're gonna calculate what your taxes are owed to the federal and the state. But tax planning is when throughout the year, you're looking at what your likely tax liability is going to be, what your upcoming expenses are and things like that, and strategically deciding if you're going to pay more or less taxes. And there's basically different ways to do that. Like you can defer a tax, you can completely avoid a tax legally, you know, like for one of the most common ways, or I shouldn't say most common, most known ways is to avoid, let's say, state taxes. You move states, you know, the, the state tax in Florida versus sorry, California versus Nevada, significantly different. Nevada has zero, California goes up to 13. So that's legally avoiding taxes. Then there's deferring it. Like if you put it into a retirement account, like a 401k, and then you don't pay the taxes until you're in retirement. And so there's a few other things. And and again, there's other legal ways to completely avoid the taxes. But one of the reasons that we want to go into this is like, I, I am a big advocate on the planning side because that's what you need to do all year round. And that's why we're, we're having a, sorry for watching this later on YouTube or something. Uh, my eyes kill me right now. I don't know why. So sorry, you guys just got to watch me scratch my eye. But this is one of the things that, that we do. Like as for my clients, when we hit the middle of the year, we do a deep dive into like basically the, the like we're doing the tax strategies all year round. Obviously when you first become a client, we go through this 110-point checklist that I'm going to read a few from there today. But we're doing that all year round, especially when you come on board as a client 
And when you roll into the new year, obviously there's strategies that we used last year that we're going to roll into this year, continue using those strategies. But now as we hit the middle of the year, we have a pretty good idea of what obviously what you've done, like the bookkeeping gets completed in June. So we know what half the year is. I can run a forecast. Any of your accountants can run a forecast on approximately what you would owe if the year continues on pace of what you're currently doing. So again, that's the difference between the planning and the filing. Most of you probably have someone doing the filing or you're doing it yourself through like a TurboTax, which I really recommend you getting a professional to help you, a professional accountant, because as a business owner, it's most likely they're going to save you more than they charge you because they're going to ask a question or help you navigate a loophole. Because again, like the tax software doesn't help you necessarily with a loophole because you have to jump through some hoops to, to get those to be done properly. So, and the other component of why doing things in the middle of the year, because tax planning, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, tax planning season, November, December, because that's, that's when you really do the deepest dive, because that's when you're like, all right, I have a really good idea of what my income is going to be. And again, this is based on your profit, not just your revenue, but you basically get a pretty idea of what your taxable profit is. And then you have, you know, 30, 60 days to implement a few other things. Like you might spend it on something strategic. That's a whole separate topic, but like, make sure you're spending it on things that your business actually needs. You're not just buying uh, and a, a heavy vehicle to take to depreciation, but you really don't need the vehicle. Like that's not, you know, because the way the tax code works is you're basically avoiding, let's just call it just for simplicity. Say you're in California, you're avoiding a 50% tax, but you're buying something you don't need. So it's just, it's the same concept of going into a store where you don't need, I don't know, but I'll just use, I'll stick with the vehicle example. Like if someone's, or no, that's a bad example. Well, let's just say it's a, it's a suit, a custom suit for a guy and it's a $5,000 suit. And someone's like, Oh, well, I'll give it to you for 2,500, but you don't need a suit. So getting it at a 50% discount, it's still $2,500 that you didn't really need to spend. That was convoluted. I was hoping to say that in 10 seconds, not a minute, but but that's my point. But the reason what we're talking about today is three tax planning strategies that you need to plan ahead for because as you'll hear when we start to dive into these, the ones that I'm going to talk about today, if you decide they're appropriate for your business, you can't implement them at the end of the year because they wouldn't be legit. And so uh, the middle of the year, obviously, you know, if you're working with someone, they're going to implement this for you right away when you start working with them. Or again, you'd be rolling it into next year and you're just going to be implementing it going forward. So you can see as you start implementing certain tax strategies and they start to layer on top of each other with each passing year, the, the savings that you're getting really starts to multiply, especially if you're doing things that are tax avoid, legally tax avoidance. And again, all of these strategies, let me make it crystal clear. We're not talking about tax evasion. If you're working with me, or really any tax professional will probably tell you this, we want you and we and expect you to declare 100% of your income. And then again, then we start doing these strategies that where you legally pay the taxes, whatever you need to, obviously do your best to lower this, the tax liability. But you have to pay your taxes. You have to report your income. This, this None of these strategies are tax evasion. That's illegal. I'll never recommend tax evasion. And none of my colleagues will either... We're talking about legally reporting your income and using these strategies to legally reduce what you owe in taxation. 
So let's dive into the, again, we're going to go over three of them today and you're going to instantly see why you need to give these time. So again, we're halfway through the year. You have a pretty good idea. If you look at your QuickBooks, you can easily run a forecast and see what you're on pace to pay in terms of revenue and profits. So the first one is adding family to payroll. That could be spouse, that could be kids, that could be adult your adult parents that are in retirement, perhaps that you're providing them some additional income to help your business. Maybe they advise you, whatever it is. But like I said, you couldn't add your kids to the payroll in November or December and expect to have paid them what you could pay them because you have to justify the work. So depending on how old your kids are, Maybe you're, they're not doing that much for you. Like maybe they're organizing your office, organizing your files, helping with social media, things like that. Like you can't cram a year's worth of work into December and then try to pay them the full 12,000 and change. So that's why if you're starting to do really well and you're like, oh, wow, I'm ticking up into the highest tax brackets, getting with your accountant now and saying, okay, how do I, what are the procedures for adding my kids to the payroll. And I'll get, I'm not going to dive into that today only because adding your kids to payroll is going to vary based on how, like the procedures are going to vary based on your entity. If you're a sole proprietorship, there's one strategy. If you're an LLC, that's as just taxes an LLC, for instance, you're going to have the same setup as the sole proprietorships. If you're an S corp, you have to jump through a little bit of hoops but again, it's still doable, it's still legal, but you have to jump through hoops and you really need to coordinate with your accountant and bookkeeper because people screw this up all the time. And again, that's why I'm not, you could, we could dedicate a whole episode to it. So I don't want to dive into the procedure, but I want you to, if you're not working with someone and you're like, okay, again, well, I'll just give you the highlights. If you're adding your kids and they're under 17, you're going to avoid all taxation, federal, state, as well as payroll taxes, if you do it properly. So you can run the math on like, just make it rounded up to 12,000. It's, it's more than that, but it's 12,000 ish. <laughs> you can see that just that alone will save likely what someone's going to charge you to do your, to help you with your tax planning. And again, this, that's just one strategy. Now let's dive a little bit deeper into adding your spouse because there's a lot to consider. And again, I'm not going to give the, like, I'm not going to run the math for you on this because everyone's going to have a different scenario, but same thing. If you're adding your spouse to payroll, like your spouse may be helping you in the business already and then you're just splitting the profits and maybe you own it a hundred percent and your spouse just helps and obviously all the income rolls into both your joint tax returns and you figure life is easy. But if you want to add them to the payroll, there's, there's some advantages to that. And the main advantage really comes into when you're working with, or shouldn't say working with when you are including a retirement plan in the business, because that's where the most savings comes. Because now if your spouse has no income because you're hundred percent owner and they're just helping you quote unquote for free, even though obviously, again, we know that they're getting half the profits when they roll into your joint bank accounts, your joint personal bank accounts, but adding them legitimately to the payroll, paying them a salary. Now they have their own personal earned income. So if you're, you're basically now you're paying taxes on that income, but there's some advantages to that because one, now both of you are building social security credits, which is valuable. 
And two, if you're taking advantage of retirement plans, like a 401k, things like that, you need the earned income to make those contributions. Let me take a step back. Earned income is separate from like investment income. Like if you own a stock and it's paying you a dividend, like if you own Apple stock and it's paying, I'm not recommending, hold on, disclaimer, I'm not recommending any stocks here. This is just hypothetical. But if you own a dividend paying stock, that's paying you income, but that's not earned income. That's investment income. Same thing if you own rental real estate, that's paying you rental income. It is not earned income. From a tax perspective, it it matters because it's not the type of income that they say, okay, earned income means basically when you're an operational business, like if you have a nine to five job or if you have a business, that's called quote unquote earned income. And that allows you to put it into retirement accounts. So I didn't mean to get get in the weeds on that, but that is an important distinction because you can have taxable income, but not qualify for retirement accounts. And that's because you might have assets paying you, like your dividend paying stocks, like maybe you have income earning from crypto or rental real estate. Again, all those are great, but it's not earned income for the sake of contributions to retirement account. So adding your spouse, it doubles the amount that you can put in. So if you're maxing out your 401k and you want to put more into it and you're married, that's how you do it. You bring your spouse on. And now that's where the the math comes in. Again, I'm not going to use any examples in this episode because this could be its own episode. And quite frankly, I plan to make it to talk about adding your, like the procedures for adding your spouse, adding your kids, and also to talk about like what the math conversation is because there's not necessarily a one one right answer for this but if you want to max out what your spouse can can do or i'm sorry that what you can do you add your spouse now again you are incurring taxation because you have to pay them payroll so you're running into all the payroll expenses you have for any employee that's that's a w-2 but adding them to the account doubles at well at most doubles how much you can contribute. Now, again, if you only pay them 20,000 or let's say 20,500, cause you want to max out the employee side, then you can do that. But if you like, and in 2022, you as the owner can max out at 61,000 in, in a full 401k. Like if you use all the components of it. And again, if you want to double that and bring your spouse on, you can do it. Now you'd have to pay them appropriately. And again, I'm not going to dive into it, but it would have to be over 61,000 just slightly over. But so that's the one way you could do it. Again, if you're if you're killing it in your business and you're like, well, I I can easily put more than 61,000 into mine, we add the spouse and now you can put 122,000. So that's that's one area to look at. And again, same thing like we talked about with kids. You can't add your spouse at the end of the year and then pay them $60,000 because they would have had, they have to do the work. So that's why it's really nice to have these conversations at least in the middle of the year. And again, this is why tax planning is all year round because if you sit down with your accountant and he's like, oh, wow, you killed it. And I see you have two kids and a spouse and none of them are on payroll. You can't go back and pretend they did the work. You know, so that's why tax planning needs to be forward looking. It's all forecasting, saying, okay, how this is how we're doing. We can afford to do this. Let's start moving the money into more tax advantage, legally tax advantaged 
ways to do it. So that's the first one, adding family to payroll. Again, same thing if you're, there's not as much thought to it if you're moving the money up to your parents, but, but that's something to take into consideration. So whether they're contractors or W-2, it's really up to you because again, they might be helping you in the business anyway. Maybe your business is really successful and, or they have a skill set that's helpful. How you pay them is, is, well, I shouldn't say completely up to you. It has to also be compliant with your state, whether they're really a contractor or an employee, but uh, that's a separate conversation. So hopefully if you're listening in California, unfortunately, most likely they're an employee just because of the I think it's called the AB5 rule, something like that crappy law that basically makes most people employees there. Again, that's what another reason California is terrible other than your weather and beach. But okay, so <laughs> number two, review upcoming travel plans. Now, this is the same thing. Like if when you travel, you want to do your best to make it a legitimate business trip because you want to take advantage of those deductions, like the flight, the hotel. And again, there's legal ways and you have to document it. You have to keep your receipts. You have to do your your record keeping and keep everything compliant. This is another reason why I'm a big advocate on bookkeeping, professional bookkeeping, because one, you, you're successful. You need to be outsourcing things that are not worth your time. And two, depending on your entity, you really need to get this right. Like if you're an S-corp, it's sort of hard, in my opinion, to, to do it on your own. And obviously, most people that are S-corps, it's because they've hit a certain level of success and profitability that it makes sense to start to not just delegate, but get tax efficient. So review upcoming travel plans. Because again, a lot of these things, you can't go on a trip and then later be like, oh, wait, that was business, and then try to work backwards. Because one, you might have lost the receipts, but also the IRS doesn't really love that when you... like. You, I, believe that's actually one of their stipulations that you need to yeah where did i forget where i read it but yeah you can't be like taking your kids to disney world be standing in line and i think this is even one of the examples from their maybe from their website where you can't be standing in line and talking meet somebody and then they become a prospect for you and then you call the whole thing a business trip you have to plan these in advance but also you want to plan in advance anyway because you want to make sure you use your corporate cards and things like that. Keep it organized. Help your bookkeepers out. Side note on that, if you do use a personal card, uh, for whatever reason, maybe one of the points or you forgot, that's no problem. You can you can still turn those into business expenses. You just have to add them to your, to your books and make sure your accountant knows. If you're not doing a professional bookkeeping, make sure your accountant knows because it won't be reflected properly if, if it's not done by bookkeeping. But that's a side point. So here's some things that you can think about. Again, look at your, the best, in my opinion, the best types of tax deductions are things you're already spending money on and you make them legitimate business deductions. That's why I've talked about in the past, like how to convert your gym clothing that you're spending money on anyway into legitimate business deductions, even though, so maybe that's 2.5. You know, I'm trying to only give you three here today. But so number two is review your upcoming travel plans. So how can you make them legit? You know, where do you, what are you traveling for? Are you visiting a client or where you're going already? Let's say you have a trip planned to Miami. What can you do there? That's legitimate business. Do you have any clients there that you can visit? Are there any fitness competitions you're going to be in while you're there? You know, like that are obviously those fitness competitions are brand building for you. And you're obviously networking with other coaches and sponsors, things like that. Are you booking any photo shoots? Like, could you 
book legitimate photo shoots while you're in a destination that you're going potentially for personal, but you need to make legitimate business functions out of it. Now, if you're doing that, if you don't have a lot of things planned business-wise, then you do have to be careful with your hotel. Like, because the hotel will not be for every day that's personal. But if you legitimately have to go visit a client, that airfare is 100% deductible because you have to get there regardless. If you stay longer because you want to turn it into something, that means you can't do the hotel except for the night you visited the client for the most part, depending on which day it is. Again, this is not giving you the procedures. I want you to start thinking. So sit down with your family, your friends, whoever you travel with, and start looking at where where you're going, like what weekend getaways, what you have planned for the rest of the year, and start figuring out ways that you can make them legitimate business deductions or legitimate business trips. Again, visiting clients, visiting vendors, photo shoots, collaborations, anything that's legitimately helping your business, try to make one of those for each event you go to. And again, this is why this is a planning thing. You can't sit down with your accountant and be like, oh, where'd you go? Okay, let's all let's pretend that was a business trip now. Because one, you might have lost receipts, and that just isn't being documented properly. And most accountants wouldn't want to sign that tax return where they're like going back in history and pretending something was a business trip when it really wasn't. Or at least you didn't plan it ahead of time and did the, the documentation things. Another thing to consider from a business perspective is where are you doing your annual meeting minutes? You need to do those as a business owner. And now some states say, oh, it's not required. But again, that's I'm not giving legal advice, but I recommend to all my clients, I do it myself, each year, do your meeting minutes. Now, how you do those or where is up to you. But if you go somewhere to do it, that's legit. Again, you are allowed as a to go meet with your board of advisors. If you have a board of advisors, again, I highly recommend you, you open up and get yourself board of advisors. You could all travel. Like I'm here in Vegas, so I'm biased, but you could all meet in Vegas, have your board of advisor meeting separate from your annual meeting minutes and whatever you need to discuss, make sure it's all documented. Again, it might not get your hotel the whole time you're hanging out in Vegas, but flying there, you're all meeting, going out, having a nice dinner. That's all legitimate business. So again, you might be your board of advisors, if you have them, or you might have friends who are all entrepreneurs and you all legitimately do help each other. Formalize it. You know, like just get, talk to a a lawyer, get a document. I mean, my clients can get it from me. Make your board of advisors. Because again, you might be legitimately traveling with these fellow entrepreneurs legitimately helping each other with your strengths and weaknesses, formalize it. And again, this might be a personal trip that you have planned. Get on the same page with everyone, document it, become board of advisors to each other and make your upcoming travel plans, business deductions. So that's number two. Again, you can't go back in history and do those things, or at least you shouldn't. So that was number two, review your upcoming travel plans and see what you can convert to a legitimate business function while you're there. Number three, change your tax status. Now, this is some, I, something I talk about a lot, and obviously I've hinted at it earlier in this episode of like, how are you being taxed? Again, I, I've talked a lot on my social media about you do not have to be an LLC to start. It could be cost prohibitive depending on the state you live in. 
you might have just launched your business and you're like, I didn't want to deal with the headaches. And or a lot of people, they became an overnight business by accident. Like they love fitness. They personally had phenomenal transformational outcomes. People started asking them. Next thing they know, they're running a very successful business and they never took the time to quote unquote set up the business. That's totally cool. But if you now are halfway through the year and maybe last year was a great year for you, you paid a lot of taxes and then you just backburnered it, went back to helping your clients and building your team, that's fine. But now we're halfway through the year. Think about that. Like, okay, well, I'm on pace to do just as good, if not much better than last year. And I know I had a a tax, I'm going to say problem, but (laughs) I paid a lot of tax. Consider doing what you need to do. Again, if you're a sole proprietorship, talk to somebody, say, what would it what would it save me if I switched over to an S Corp? Or if you're an LLC, what if I did a late election to an S Corp? Like these are time the time to start thinking about it. Once you get to the end of the year, it's still kind of doable depending on who you ask, but it gets into the gray area. Like some accountants won't touch it because they're like, ah, you really didn't intend to do this. Like now you're just asking me to try to push it through, but also it's, it gets harder because there's a lot of bookkeeping and payroll issues that you deal with that are all due at the end of the year. So if you decide at the end of the year, like, all right, this makes sense. You're really rushing everything. So even from a cost perspective, if you're going to need to quickly get a bookkeeper to update the books, get a, a lawyer to set up the entity, get a payroll the bookkeeper to do the payroll and rush it through, you're probably going to incur additional costs just for their own time because you're, you're basically putting everything on a fast track. So you're likely to incur additional fees from them to saying, well, all right, I can do it, but you know, it's more work. So I would start looking at this now. Again, you should be doing this anyway, but that's just a reason that you don't want to wait till the end of the year, especially because depending on who you talk to bookkeeping cleanup, can be very expensive. So getting on the right page and then having people getting you bookkeeping going monthly is much cheaper than having them try to go back and fix, especially depending on how disorganized you are or aren't, or actually how organized you are or aren't. A bookkeeping cleanup can be very expensive. And so people like don't want to pay it, but you need to, you need to get your ducks in a row to see how much you are making. So that's one thing, again, so halfway through the year, Look at your tax status. If you can move, if it makes sense and out, generally the rule of thumb is about $50,000 in profit, not revenue, profit. So most people listening are probably like, oh, I make much more than that, but I'm not an S Corp. You should highly consider it. But before you do, you want to sit down with a tax expert and say, "What's what would it save me? Like run the numbers. Now you can't run those numbers unless you have a pretty good idea of what you've already done. So you still need to have organized books for anyone like me to sit down and say, all right, well, here's what you're on pace to do. And here's what you would do if you were an escort for the year. So that's another one that I would highly recommend you do. Again, these are the three mid-year strategies. So looking at getting your S-Corp election done for the year. Now I'll give you a bonus one because we talked about it already. And this is... So essentially it's number four, but I'll call it a bonus because I, I wanted to keep it to three tips today. But consider a retirement plan. And there's a reason this is the middle of the year because it takes time. 
So if, and it takes time because it's, it can feel overwhelming. Like you're running a business. If you have no employees and it's real simple, you're just like, all right, if I'm going to be retirement plan, which one should I be? Should I make the cheap, easy one? Should I make the more, I'll say the more bells and whistles one. And that's going to basically be like, you know, set IRAs are pretty simple, but they don't have a lot of, uh, let's flexibility. It's take it or leave it the way you get a 401k. They're not free. They're going to have a little bit of complexity to them, but way more options. Like you can go pre-tax, post-tax, a lot of different ways to do it. And, but it gets a little more complicated if you have employees, because then you got to bring somebody in. You have to, I'm not going to dive into that as its own episode too. But if you have employees having a 401k, you have to include them. So that's important. Depending on how long they worked with you, you have to include them in the plan. You're not allowed to just do something that's really beneficial to you. Maybe your spouse, but nobody else like IRS already put a, a squash on that decades ago. So you would have to make sure that the plan is done right. But the reason I like this now is because you want to start filling it up through your payroll in in the best way that possible to keep your cash flows level. You're like, I don't like the idea. And I talk about this from a budgeting perspective. I try to help people budget for Christmas and all these major spending events, travel, things like that, because most people, it makes it a lot easier if their monthly expenses are, again, let's just talk about someone doing very well. Their monthly expenses are $20,000 a month. And then December hits with the holidays and maybe travel to see family, whatever it is. And they spend 40000 that month. That can throw people off because if they're so used to $20,000, pay off the credit card, $20,000, pay off the credit card, boom, $40,000 that can throw people off. So planning ahead for it, same thing with retirement accounts. If you decide you want to max it out and say, all right, I'm going to put $2,000 every month into my 401k, that's much easier to plan for on a monthly basis and sit down at the end of the year with someone and they're like, all right, you want to put the whole 61,000 in there? And like, yes. And now you got to sit down with your bookkeeping change your payroll for the year or update your payroll all the way back to make it, make it work properly. And again, bookkeepers can do that, but you're adding complexity. And if they're charging you by the hour or however, or it's completely out of scope because you added this in in December, they're likely going to have to charge you for it because it's way out of like most of them are budgeting. Well, how much time is it going to take me to do your books? So this is, and then they're going to ballpark it and then give you a monthly rate. That's what a lot of them do. But if you throw something like this at them, it, in January and say, all right, well, I just talked to my accountant and they said I should have had a 401k. So I need you to go back and amend the payroll and, you know, put all these contributions in again, they're likely going to say, okay, no problem, but I need to, I need to bill you for that because that's going to take me hours. So it's a good thing to think about it. Now, the other part of that is again, if you go with the 401k route, which again, I I'm more focusing on that decision right now than the SEP IRA because the SEP IRA doesn't have a lot of complexity. Like you either do it or you don't do it and funding it's fairly simple. Again, that's the what the S in SEP IRA stands for is simple. Not to be confused with the actual simple IRA. But anyway, don't, don't let me digress. But if you're doing the 401k, again, you can do pre-tax or post-tax contributions. So you want to start deciding what you're going to do because as I'm recording this, we're still on, under the Trump tax code, which is very favorable to business owners. 
And depending on where you live, like if you're in a no tax state, Florida, Texas, Nevada, you might say to yourself, I don't want to take the tax deduction. I will pay the tax, put it into my 401k in a situation where I never pay taxes again. That decision you want to make sooner rather than later so you can start, again, planning. Because if you're going to do pre-tax, you're going to save a bunch of taxes. If you're going to do post-tax, your goal is to save a bunch of taxes 30 years from now. So it's deciding that and making that decision now. So that's why I like this as like a mid-year conversation if you've never discussed a retirement plan with anybody before because it gets a little more complicated if you try to jam it in at the end of the year. And again, my tax program with my clients, I call it the FitPro CFO, we go through all this. Again, a lot of these things, if you're, we talk about as soon as you become a client and then we dive deep again in the middle of the year. So in theory, we're going to roll a lot of these into the new year, but it's 110 different things that we're looking at. Literally everything from the business, personal. Again, if you work with someone like myself, they're looking at their ent- your entire financial life. Whether, whether a dollar is flowing from rental real estate, your fitness business, a spouse's W-2, it doesn't matter. We're all rolling it in to see what options are available, looking at education, charity, where, whether we have strategies for if you have low or no income, again, that's probably not you as much as maybe a kid or an adult kid, those NFT, stock market. We're looking at literally everything. It's taken me years to build this 110 point checklist, but everyone goes through it. I don't know if you remember last year, I was talking about it, calling it the 60 point checklist. We've added a lot to it and it's completely custom for you fitness professionals. So again, as we hit the middle of the year, I highly recommend you go through and look at all the things that will be your tax liability. What's your revenue year to date? What's your expenses year to date? What's your taxable profit now year to date? If the business stays on track, what's that tax liability going to be? What are legitimate ways for you to take the money that you're already spending either in your business or your personal life and move it to a legitimate tax deduction to manipulate how much you pay? Because again, you might, this is a bit of a side note, but if you're going through a growth phase or maybe next year is going to be a growth phase, that's an important strategic thing to know because you might have a lot of profits this year, but you know next year you're not going to because you're going through a growth phase or vice versa. That's going to make a major difference in your strategic planning because as entrepreneurs, you're going to have hills and valleys in your tax liability. Again, if you're hitting a growth phase or if maybe you had a really good year and just high profitability and you're pulling it off the table to buy personal assets for set, for instance, that's going to change the plan. So if I can be of any help to you, uh, please reach out. Again, the two programs that are most beneficial to the fitness entrepreneurs is our FitPro CFO program, which is everything we talked about today. We help you implement everything we talked about today. We're going to go through the entire checklist, the things that make sense to you and start implementing. It's not just, hey, here's a cool plan. Goodbye. We actually help you implement it because you're working with us throughout the entire year. The other program that we're doing now, we launched it this year, was for people that are just starting up. 
basically it's called the beast mode money bootcamp. The, the word bootcamp I'm considering dropping because I think it's misleading people that it's like a group program. It's not, it's one-on-one with me and my team. And we get you completely set up from soup to nuts, like get up your business bank accounts, sketch your set up on QuickBooks if needed, make sure you have the right entity. We're not doing the bookkeeping for you. This is a starter program, but we're going to get you set up get so you can start doing it yourself so that when you're ready, my team can help you if you need to, if you want to bring my bookkeeping team in. But it if you were listening in the beginning and you're that person, that sole proprietor that just started, now you're doing great and you want to go back and get things organized properly, that's what we do. Both on the business and personal, we're going to get you set up with budgets. Budgets are super helpful nowadays as people are getting more worried about recessionary fears you know, understanding where you are in your personal life, where you are in your business life with what expenses are coming down the pike and can you weather the storm? How much money do you have in cash that can help you weather the storm? And then obviously we're, everyone's speaking about inflation. So you don't want to have too much cash either. So it's that, that delicate balance of, I want to make sure I'm safe for what's coming and I don't want to be so overly conservative that I'm sitting on cash for years and it really should be working for my future self, you know, in an asset. doesn't matter what that asset is. I'm, I'm agnostic to what you guys want to invest in. I'm here to help you do it in the best, most tax advantage way. So those are the two main programs. And uh, so let me recap before we, we run today, the three mid-year tax strategies that you should look at because it takes some implementation time and or planning. One was adding family to payroll. Two, review upcoming travel plans. How can you make them legitimate business functions? And three, review your tax status. If you are making a lot of profit and you're not an S-Corp, consider switching to one after you, after you talk to a professional consider switching this year to an S-Corp. Again, that takes some planning. It's not ideal to do it at the end of the year. And so those are the three. And again, if this has been valuable to you, I highly recommend, or I, I should say, I ask a favor, please share it. Uh, tag tag my Instagram if you don't mind. It's at the Pat Darby. And as always, if this has been helpful or you have any questions or you need my team's help, DM me on Instagram at the Pat Darby. My email, I don't know if I've given it out on here before. I'm sure I have. It's at in, or info at Darby, B-A, my last name, Darby, D-A-R-B-Y, B like boy, A like apple.com. All right, guys. Thanks again for hanging with me for another episode and uh, you make it a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, DarbyBA.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram, at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.